Hey friends, and welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast. Moving Mountains is a place to hear true stories of modern day miracles told by ordinary people just like you and me. My name is Paige, and I'm joined here in Alaska by my dear friends, Margaret and Bernadette, as we witness accounts of how God has worked in people's lives in big and small ways. As you listen to these stories of hope, answered prayers, and unexplained phenomena, we invite you to allow this space to inspire your faith and even to help you recognize the ways in which God is moving mountains in your own life. Welcome back to Moving Mountains. We're so excited to have Father Michael Shields with us again today. Um, If you haven't heard our episode where we first spoke with him, that's back to episode two, give it a listen and you'll hear a little bit more about his story and um, just talking more about what is a miracle and just going into depth about what this podcast is actually about. Um, But we're really excited because we have him back here today to talk more about his mission in Magadan, Russia, where he was called to work with the people who were survivors of the gulags, the, the prison camps over there. So he has some really amazing stories to share with us today, um, and we're excited to hear them. But first, we have, again, our very important question to ask you. So, dogs or cats, Father Michael? Is this asking everybody or just me? Just you. Okay. Well, (laughs) it's very clear uh, in my answer, because the only thing a cat is good for is a doorstop or stuffed (laughs) on top of a mantle place. So it's obviously... Dogs, (laughs) Dogs, <laughs> obviously, and, and and everybody should just take, you know, take take that advice, and um, yeah. And the name of your dog is Magadan. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Although I think you have said that he might be from hell. I've I maybe yeah, heard you say that. Pretty before. could be, could be. <laughs> well, anyway, um, our, did you want to answer the question as well? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Paige, dogs or cats? <laughs> um, okay, so I definitely used to say dogs, but I think I'm more of a cat person now because dogs are just really high maintenance and they're just okay. a little Our rowdy. Our friendship is ended, Paige. <laughs> done. Like, cats just like take care of themselves. They're obnoxious. And I mean, as long as they're declawed. They're from hell. <laughs> All right, so Paige, I think you have to leave the room now. Yeah, right. um, it was nice talking with y'all. Uh, Margaret might be leaving the room too after this. One. Oh no, no, dog, I'm are... definitely still dogs, but I will admit, I live with cats now, and I hated them before I lived with these cats, and these cats are tolerable. So, partly because they're not in your face. The devil like... comes as an angel of light. As well. <laughs> So do cats. They try and convince you. They, I don't think don't I'll let ever, them convince you. I don't think I'll ever be a hundred percent cat. But Paige does have a good point. You can well, leave them yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah. Margaret, yeah. you do have to share with our listeners what your dream dog is because it's pretty funny for someone who lives in Alaska. I get made fun of all the time. I want a dash hound, a dachshund, a mini dachshund, whatever wiener dog. Is a wiener another dog. Way to yes. Say it. Yeah. Um, I thought about if I got one, I'd name him Oscar. Oscar oh, Meyer Wiener, you know. I think it's actually a, scandal. a pretty common name for dogs. I still haven't found my little my little Dachshund, but hopefully someday soon. <laughs> well, I have to say that I am not a cat or a dog person. Like I I think animals are amazing and beautiful, but whenever I touch them, I start sneezing and my throat starts burning and my eyes are watering. So, so I that's can't really probably you yeah. yeah. I'd stay with a stuffed dog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> One that's been sprayed and so yeah. allergens are just kind of encapsulated for eternity. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. good for me. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Father Michael, could you just tell us what, first of all, 
you know, what called you to Magadan uh-huh. and just about some of your stories and encounters. I'd, I'd like to keep there. this in a, in a context for everybody listening to make, to ask them the questions as ask me. I, I, the call of God is always a mystery, isn't it? It's just an amazing gift. And um, called a priesthood is the deepest part of my heart, the greatest part of my being. I was called as a priest, maybe seven, I, at seven, I knew I was going to be a priest at seven already. So about 10 years in the priesthood, um, the flicker in my heart started going out. And uh, that's the fire to the gospel that, that I wanted to preach. And it got weaker. And I got scared. And um, I said to God, okay, whatever you want from me, the priesthood is yours. And in that time, a number of circumstances led me to go to Russia with Archbishop Hurley. Russia had fallen in 1989. The communists of the Iron Wall had fallen and Magadan was a sister city to Anchorage. Went there twice. First time I loved it, second time I hated it. It was cold, obnoxious. Um, the culture was different, the language was hard, the food was terrible. And I said, <laughs> um, so I said, you know, it was a nice experience. It was great, but um, eh, that's, I was living in Palmer at that time, the most beautiful place in the, on the universe. Truly. <laughs> and uh, I said I was happy, My, I, was, I had a happy pastor. And um, that was it. And so then I decided to do something very foolish. I went on a 40-day Jesuit Ignatian retreat. <laughs> Silent retreat where you ask God what he wants of you. Never do that because he will answer. So I knew for a fact my life was going to be changed. Mm-hmm. And I said to my sister who, he, she drove me to Sacramento. Was the, the, the retreat center was in uh, Santa, Santa Rosa. It was a Jesuit retreat center, and it was a 40-day experience. And I got out of the car, and I said to my sister, I don't want to be here because God's going to say something I don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that. So I walk up to the retreat, and now you have retreat masters, right? You get a master. So I walk up, and the first person I see, I say to him, I'm here, but I don't want to be here <laughs> because God's going to say things that I don't want to hear. He says, what's your name? I says, Father Michael. Oh, I'm the head of the retreat master. I chose you to be my, uh, my uh, retreat that I'll be directing. I said, oh, I just revealed my heart to you. This is not fair. So the, the, the long and short of it is, um, have, have you ever experienced fear? Yes. How it captures you? How it invests in everything you think and everything you do? Mm-hmm. The, and, and all of a sudden, it's, it, you can't turn left or right, it's mm-hmm. there? That's the fear that was in my heart. And every time I would pray and the retreat, this, these words would come across, go pray in the camps. And I knew if I listened to those words, something would happen. So I ignored them. <laughs> and I went to my spiritual director and I said, you know, I would ask you to do an exorcism because the devil is destroying my retreat by saying these words go pray in the camps. Now, he was a good Jesuit, and he said, well, let's take a look at this. No, no, I want an exorcism (laughs) because my retreat is being destroyed. As I started praying more and more in the retreat, it became deeper and deeper that God was going to do something uh, in my life that would change everything. Mm. 
And that's when the fear just became overwhelming. I would be in the chapel at night. I wasn't sleeping. I, I begged God to help me because I don't know what you want. And it would come over and over. And then uh, one night, this is the best way I can describe it. We had, I, have a, I had a Grandma Melky. And Grandma Melky had uh, knitting needles. And as a kid, I would sit at her and she had yarn and something would come out the other side like a sleeve on a sweater. <laughs> and how those, those two yarn things come together and make something in the end, I, it was a mystery to me. It's and a so, miracle. Yeah. And so, so what God did that night, it was, it was a night of coming, it was half, you know, half asleep, half awake, you know, those nights you, you, you're kind of dreaming, you're kind of praying. God took fear on this side and faith on this side his faith and knitted it together mm. and it created joy mm. so fear conquered by faith equals joy mm. and that joy then oh, so overwhelming at this time I can remember it I was just I'm going my life is his mm. it's over with wow just like that I'm gone <laughs> I'm going to Russia for the rest of my life. So you knew, like, when you heard the camps in prayer, you knew it was Russia. I knew it, but I didn't want to know it. Okay. Because it knew I was new Magadan, and Magadan, Magadan is a horribly ugly place mm -hmm. and cold, and not so now. It's beautiful, of course, but back then <laughs> I thought it was ugly. So I went to my spiritual director. It was like six in the morning. Knocked on his door, and uh, I said, "You know, I have this incredible miracle happen mm -hmm. in my life. I have joy." He says, Don't, are we supposed to meet at nine? <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess wait. it's a little early. <laughs> yeah, can we wait till nine for this? I said, okay, just my, if you wanted to know, I just want to let you know this. <laughs> so later on we met, it's uh, Father Robert, who was the head of the, the, the Jesuit retreat house there, and uh, incredible, great, holy man. And, um, and from that, all, that time, I would say to you, as many absolutely despairing times happen in my life, at times when they were very, very dark, I've never, ever lost joy in my heart. Mm. I often say to myself, uh, in the, and I, I was this one image comes to my mind, I was, um, I was for the first few months of uh, the KGB, at that time it was the FSB, they were wanting to get out of town, so they would say, make an excuse, because I was there for this, a young priest, American, and they didn't want me there. You have to leave in two, two days. You have to leave in a hmm. week. You have to leave in two days. You have hmm. to you just keep doing this. And I said, okay, 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 okay. And then, you know, I just say, can I get a couple more days? Can I have a couple more days? And we just kept extending it. So I, I would go to my postinia, my hermitage, and I came back one day, and it was May, the end of May, snowing, mud up to your elbows, ugly and cold. And I, I, I was wearing a habit of Blessed Charles or St. Charles of Foucault. And I was walking through this field and I tripped and I went head first into the mud. And I was covered from top to bottom with mud on my knees with my hands raised saying this prayer, Lord, keep me here. <laughs> And I thought to myself, I looked at myself, what am I praying? Get me out of here. 
But the heart is a, a funny thing. When you've given yourself to God, the best thing you can do is do what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. It's the most joyous, the most peace-filled. And mm-hmm. um, so that's that's the, the beginning of the ministry there in, in Magadan. And so many things happened, so many amazing things happened uh, that um, I learned I learned suffering is not something to run from. I learned suffering is is the, maybe some of the greatest gifts of my life at the times I've suffered the most. Uh, that it deepens the soul. Joy is there and it's always good, but suffering deepens the soul. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the, I learned that. I learned Our Lady is real and she's there to help us. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our Lady in, in Russia there's more icons and more feast days than her son, I think. She just loved everybody who loves her. And I knew I could count on Our Lady's help in, our, in my inner intercession and prayer. She led me in so many ways in times when I was really, really, really seriously depressed. Um, not, not clinically, but it just oppressed mm-hmm. more, more mm-hmm. than that. And so, um, yeah, so... Um, Actually, Father Michael, could you just tell us a little bit more about Magadan, like sure. the people there and what yeah. they went through? Yeah. So, so Magadan is a is a city of about 90,000, 90, 90, and it was uh, created in nineteen thirty five as a prison camp city, probably uh, because it had a deep water port, and Stalin and uh, Lenin, but Stalin was sending at that time prisoners away from, especially from the Baltic countries, which is Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Ukraine, to separate the east from the west and would clean out the borders oftentimes and said people who are especially believers uh, to the camps furthest away. And Magadan was the furthest away camp. The Gulag Archipelago, which is Social Nietzsche wrote about it in his work, is the Gulag Archipelago is the islands of camps. So there were camps all over Russia, but the Far East Siberian camps were the most harsh because they were the farthest away and most harsh in terms of weather. Mm. Um, oftentimes not even having fences around because where would you run to? There would wow. be no place to wow, run. Wow, that's crazy. So um, so the, the, the people would be arrested. Um, and and uh, I, when I went to Magadan, I, I had collected, as a, I was so naive because I, I made an announcement one day after there's this woman doing her doctoral thesis. She's a Catholic woman. She was a she had a grant to to talk about the families who suffered in the the families of of the prison camps uh, people in the prison camps what were their psychological or sociological conditions, and she said to me I'm meeting all these Catholic women and Catholic men mostly Byzantine Catholics that are just in their apartment, nobody knows who they are, they're prison camp survivors. So I, I did something very foolish, I made an announcement uh, in the radios and in the newspaper, anybody in the prison camps come and meet at the library, we're going to have a joint celebration. I, I now think about the KGB at that time, the FSB was just like, what is this guy doing? It's American. <laughs> and so we collected, I had a list of about 250 camp survivors, and these were men and women, some of them were communists, but many of them were believers. And they were arrested for various reasons, but most of it's because of believing in God. Wow! And so uh, we get every Saturday we had a gathering. Uh, it's in the seven to eighty people. We'd celebrate their birthday and give them shampoo and <laughs> feed them and celebrate with them. 
And so uh, what happened was this amazing gift because they were they were the enemies of the of the of Russia, and after working 15 years with them, the 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 the, the whole cultural swift shift happened and became heroes, and so then um, people would. They didn't tell their family their stories. They didn't, the families didn't know they were in the prison camp because it would affect the education of their grandchildren. They wow. couldn't get into college. They couldn't get good jobs. Oh, my goodness. So once they came out, and they, it was like a river. They just started telling their stories. So I recorded some of them, and, and uh, actually video and, and audio, and then we put, on to, we put out two books of their prison camp survivors' stories. Uh, in Russian, one in English, but two in Russian. What's the one in English called? Uh, uh, Martyrs of Magadan. You can find it on the internet. It's probably so. It's so out of date. You're gonna be have probably three hundred dollars to get a copy. <laughs> find it on eBay. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's worth it. Three hundred dollars is worth yeah. it. Oh, of course. I, I, I put it together so <laughs> to say it. So it's um, so the, the 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 whole sense of Magadan was this camp. And it, it was a camp itself. Magadan was a camp city, mm. and so when he came, that was the history. That was the those uh, the, the bones in, in the in the land were were prisoners, mm -hmm. and so we came and and preached the gospel there, and that's again to kind of connect with the fear. Fear is a barrier to faith, mm. and you can recognize that when a person is feared, they cannot they cannot believe. So I came to preach the gospel and realize people are still living in fear and to many degrees because of their communist uh, history. And so you had to preach a gospel of compassion and mercy and hope exercise the fear through just living with them. And so I... I um, I, my Russian was terrible. I, I was embarrassed about how little Russian I knew. I knew the rosary in Russian. So the only thing I do is say, come and pray with me. I, I can't tell you anything. Just come and pray. So uh, they, the people learn to pray by praying with me. Mm. And uh, it's probably not a bad idea for priests, actually, <laughs> you know, to, to learn teach people to pray by praying with them. Yeah. That's probably not... It's kind of revolutionary. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, that's mm -hmm. probably a good prayer to you. So were you teaching them the prayers in English or were... In Russian. Okay. Yeah, 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 in Russian. And and um, so, so they, and the other thing that was really clear is um, they had the best propaganda ever. You could not fool a Russian with great propaganda because they had it. So you had to live to what you believed. Wow, yeah. You, you, you were not, you could not be... A hypocrite. They, they, it was really funny because um, when I was first over there, because of the wall fall and every every church wanted to get their piece of Russia, so the Baptists would come in and preach a mission to save souls, mm -hmm. and all the Russians would go there. And then the then Adventists would come in, same Russians would be there, and then the Lutherans, same Russians would be there. So they just, you know, whoever came into town, that was the show, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, so these pastors would be there, and they were just, you know, they were taking their pictures to show we were saving Russia, and then they would leave, of course. I stayed. Mm. And uh, 26 years. Wow. And um, realized that the gospel um, is, has to be enfleshed uh, to be real. It, it can't be just words. Mm. Uh, it has to be words. You have to proclaim a gospel. Mm. 
But much of what I have done is what I call friendship evangelization, mm-hmm. which is just being walking with people and, mm-hmm. and sharing my life, sharing what's happened in my life, sharing the struggles, sharing the truth. I, I raised lots of children there in terms of spiritual mm-hmm. children that had no idea who God was. And just little by little by little, they, they learned because I would share who God was in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you know, evangelization. You know, when the church began, there were no bishops. There were no. I mean, they, there were no dioceses. There were no parishes. Mm-hmm. Basically, there were evangelists. Right. And they mostly died mm-hmm. for what they believed. Yeah. Wow. They, they 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 would speak, and then they put their life behind their words. They they wouldn't speak and then run and and just no. They would they would die for what they believed. And mm-hmm. and I think that. I, 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 I believe, and, and that's why I, I, I'm praying God will get me back there, because I want to die there. Mm-hmm. I want to say, this is my final mm-hmm. gospel. I, I'm going to be part of the earth in Russia. Mm-hmm. Can and, I ask you something, Father? Sure. You mentioned fear a couple times, yep. you know, at the beginning, and then just a second ago, just that. I think that some in our culture, in our world today, fear... We're almost afraid of fear or fear stops us from doing something. And I love what you said about the weaving of faith and fear. Um, and I guess I, what I would like to maybe you to talk about is, you know, there's there's like a healthy fear. Okay, there's a grizzly bear over there. I need to protect yeah. myself. Yeah. But then there's fear that's not of God. It's Satan yeah. pulling us away from maybe yeah. something that he has for us. Yeah. And so I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, in my life, I, I think I generally know when I, I had a fear of coming up here. Sure. You know, God was calling me to this thing, and I... Yeah, and I had to fear to go to Russia. Yeah, exactly. It reminded me of my story. It was like throwing up my hands and being like, okay, Lord, wherever you want me to go. But that fear can be converted. A hundred percent. So I guess, you know, what's the difference? I mean, some of it, sometimes it's obvious, but I think in maybe our prayer life, you said you were having this, in like, very in-depth, intense fear, and you went to prayer. You know, how is that how we overcome that? Like, how do we... How do we discern? Well, for, first of all, you know, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is fear of the Lord. So there is a really good fear. It's fear of right. the Lord. And, and right. it's not, uh, I'm not trembling before God because he's going to hit me. I'm trembling before God because he's so almighty and so mm-hmm. amazing and so awesome. And how can I, how can I understand him and his love for me right. is so great. That's, I don't want to offend him. I don't want to run from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that... The gift of the fear of the Lord is to begin the wisdom, right. Scripture says. So once you get that in, then you're going to be a pretty wise person because you have everything in perspective. Huh? Everything mm-hmm. is in order. So what fear is a disordered relationship. Yes. That kind of fear. So I'm disordered to other people, disordered to the circumstance, disordered to God, disordered to myself. In other words, I'm living in a disordered way. And... You might say it's it's what it is. It's 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 um. It doesn't allow me to love, which is what we're called to do, which we're made to. It doesn't allow me to worship, which we're made for. It doesn't allow me to serve, which which is the only and the only truth in my life that I can, that can that all love is re, love is reflected in sacrificial right. giving. So it cuts off everything of who I am as a person. Right. It's a, it imprisons prison. It's a prison. Fear mm-hmm. is a prison. And so what, what you see today is, you know, foolish things, fearful things. So people are afraid of dying. People are afraid of uh, saying the truth. 
you know, the cancel culture that you have today oh, is, is a horrible thing. Yeah. Um, so, so, so what you have is, is, a, is a culture of fear. And I think we're in a culture of fear. Exactly. I think we're in a culture yeah. of fear. Uh, people cannot speak the truth. They can't be fully honest. I think we're in a culture of fear where we have a sense that people will pay a price. Okay, now as a Christian, are you ready? Ready. You're supposed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're supposed to pay a price. Mm-hmm. So you can't use that excuse because people die for their faith. Mm-hmm. So if you get axed off, off of your Facebook account or somebody turns away from your friendship, so what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure you've ex- like encountered tons of people like that over in Magadan. So do you have stories of specific people, encounters that you could share with us and your listeners? Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I for, for, there was interesting when I first got there, you know, honestly, I, I had such good experience with uh, many Russians that, uh, let me just say, many of the Russian, quote, atheists, non-believers, agnostics, some of the college students, they didn't have the baggage we have here. Mm. They didn't have the negative church baggage. They had the negative God baggage. Mm. They just didn't know. Mm-hmm. So the kind of tabula rasa, they were open. So I, I would have gatherings with college students, and in the middle of the, in the middle of the uh, table, I put I you know they put their questions, and I put my questions. We they'd have I have to answer, I'd have to answer, <laughs> and then be God questions, life questions, you know, sexual questions, everything, mm-hmm. anything you want to ask, you put in there, mm-hmm. and we just have these back and forths, and it was so beautiful because you would talk about church, and they wouldn't have this. <gasps> Huffy, mm-hmm. you know, American yeah. anti-church. It was there, mm-hmm. so you could mm-hmm. really have a long conversation. So, but I, I did it when I first got there. They, I was not welcome as a as a Catholic priest. It was, it was still very strong uh, uh, communist feel, mm-hmm. and I would be in the in the bus. People would get up and move away from me. Wow! Um, wow! There were two swear words. Uh, ready? These are the two swear words for a for a priest: Jesuit. That was a swear word, and Pope. Wow! Those are the two words. Jesus, you Pope. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> so, you. so you would see how that was in, entwined with with a communist propaganda. Mm-hmm. Wow. That those two were words that were used as a derogatory words wow. that actually were yeah. for us, not derogatory, but they were used derogatively for us. And eventually, what I became is is, is a part of the of, of Magadan, a part of the community, and mm-hmm. so I was pretty really re- received and by most mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. Yeah, I um, yeah, and so the, I think that the the the. the the postinic life there really sustained me, which was uh, the I would go to uh, prayer in Postinia for a day, day and a half. Postinia is a, is a hermitage, basically. Okay. And uh, the beautiful part about that is you go to Postinia and you open the door like that, and you go in and you close the door and you say, I'm yours. <laughs> this time's yours. No expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm yours. So God had tea with me, and he looked at the sunset. And <laughs> he did all kinds of things that uh, would be pretty normal. 
and we just talked and mm -hmm. usually he, in a postinic life you'd usually get a word from the Lord at the end of some kind of word encouragement or you'd be reading your office the scriptures some of it but the point is how many times now just think of this you just go to God and say I'm yours no mm -hmm. expectations mm -hmm. I'm just yours mm -hmm. do with me what you want do you, do you realize how free that is how completely open you can be to God at that moment and trusting that he'll do every, everything he's supposed to do for you and trust him so postinic was really uh, a level of just surrendering over and over the the pr prayer of uh, blessed Charles or st. Charles's abandonment prayer I abandon myself in your hands, yeah. do with me what you will, whatever you do, I thank you, I'm ready for all, I accept all, that only will be done to me and all your creatures, I wish no more than this, O Lord, into your hands I commend my soul, I offer you all the love of my heart, for I love you and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve, with boundless confidence, because you are my Father. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Prayed that for 40 three years mm -hmm. sometimes hard sometimes easier so. so you said you said that um, before you had to come back because of the paperwork issues you were in Magadan for 26 years 26 yeah so um, during that time God obviously was using you to build this mission um, and did you have any miracle experiences during oh, your time in Russia yeah I, I, there were so many things that happened there that were uh, incredibly gifted time uh, I, I was one of the things that happened was right away uh, because I was an English speaker the sisters of Mother Teresa were there they had 18 houses throughout the uh, Mother Teresa wanted 12 houses for the rosary and she got 18 <laughs> more than she always asked for I'm sure. so I would ran I ran into the sisters uh, for the first time I was two years there in uh, Novosibirsk and I ran into this one monk named uh, one, one sister named uh, Sister Chantel from France she was not a normal sister of Mother Teresa she was large and demanding and uh, <laughs> and uh, she turned to me and said you will give us a retreat I said I've never given anybody a retreat you will give us a retreat I said okay <laughs> so I started giving retreats and then for 26 years I just kept doing all over the world the sisters of Mother Teresa all over Europe all over France and Italy and, mm -hmm. and I just remember Chantel this, this is a little story she was a woman of faith incredible faith and they just built a home in Novosibirsk for the street people so I think 20 some people uh, were going to be housed there but there was a backup a sewer backup and it's off in Russia there's nothing works so the whole it was literally to your knees of in raw sewage oh. in the bottom of this house that they oh, were supposed to open up gosh. soon to house them so what does Sister Chantel ask me to do pray not only pray <laughs> bless the house take the blessed sacrament in the monstrance and part the waters oh my. specifically she asked i put hip boots on with the blessed sacrament walking through sewer trying to part the waters how did you feel in this moment i felt 
so strange. <laughs> I, if if Moses was there, I would say I I outdid you. <laughs> it subsided the next day. Oh, oh my wow. gosh! Wow. The next day, whatever broke, the sisters were down there cleaning up the floor, and they opened the house sometime. Oh my goodness! Oh. Wow. That's amazing. Is this the same group of nuns that I just remember a story where you were really sick on the train crossing yeah. Russia? Yeah, yeah, Can you tell uh, us that story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they asked me to do a, a retreat for them. This was uh, in Moscow, and I'm in Magadan, and there's a Siberian railroad I've never taken, I wanted to take. It was in January, and uh, seven and a half days by oh. train. Oh and it's slow moving and it, it's 40 below. So in the morning, in the, in the day, it's 40 above, just, just, just cold, uh, heated, and just very hot. And it's 40 below at night. So you're just, you're, you're, by the time I get to Moscow, I have green, I have coughing green, I'm sick, <laughs> oh I have goodness. a fever. Oh. I, I don't know what to do. So I go to sister and I said, I can't do the retreat, I'm sick. I can't do the retreat. He says, you're sick. Oh, you must go to to St. Seraphim. He's a healer. He's a, kind of the Franciscan, St. Francis seat of Russia. You you must go. He'll heal you. He says, where is he? He's by train, three and a half hours out there in, in the middle of the woods. That's his... Uh, <laughs> it's this place where, where a special place. More of, time uh, on a train. They're always, they always have a... The saints always, in just like lures, have a special... Um, spring. He has St. Francis, or spring. he has St. Seraphim Spring. So gotcha. he says, okay. So I'm in the train. I am sicker than a dog, <laughs> and I am have a fever, and I'm oh. coughing, and I've got, my lungs are filled up. So I stop in the city where St. Seraphim is from, St. Seraphim Sirac, and uh, I realize it's wintertime, <laughs> and, and there's no trail to the woods. You've oh. got to cut through the snow. So... <laughs> I'm walking through the snow. It's a mile and a half to the spring. Oh my gosh. I'm deadly sick. <laughs> I'm going, this is absolutely crazy. It's the only thing we do. Only reason I'm doing it is the Sisters of Mother Teresa said I'd do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I get to the spring. Nobody's there, of course, except a, a woman on the other side, and they call Yorodovy. Yorodovy is a saint in Russia who is mentally challenged and they believe people are mentally challenged have a connection with God. Mm. And they, they have this, and I believe it as well. You I mean, our Down syndrome people know they have a huge HQ, heart quotient. We have an IQ, they have an HQ. Mm. And so, uh, she, so she's there talking with St. Seraphim. So St. Seraphim, look, there's a pilgrim. Oh, look, St. Seraphim. So she's going around talking to St. Seraphim around me, around this spring. <laughs> oh my and I'm, I just don't know what to do. I'm sick, I'm sick. So I, I go to the other side. I see there's a little bit of the pond that's broken. That's, it, it's, it's like maybe 10 below or 15 below. Oh my and so, the, there's, so I go down there to get a drink because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. So I'm bending down to take a drink and all of a sudden a bucket full of water is poured over me. No! By <laughs> this Eurotovoy. <laughs> now... It's 15 below. Oh my God. I am going to die of pneumonia because now I am absolutely drenched and I have a mile and a half to get back to the bus station. Oh my gosh. And I'm going, this is it. I'm going to die in Russia here. 
Which so is what I, you wanted, I, so. <laughs> so I, I start walking, and I, I, I pick up the pace, because I, I know i got to get back there before I, I fall. Pick up the pace, I'm sweating, pick up the pace, pick up the pace, pick up the pace. Get to the, desk, the bus stop. <clears throat> There's no cough. <clears throat> Nothing in my throat. Fever's gone. I was healed. Wow. Oh my and weren't gosh. you completely dry? I, I was dry when I got to the bus because I was wet. I was yeah. sweating inside, but my clothes were dry. Oh my gosh. Wow. And, you know, you, a physician I talked to says, well, of course, because the activity and the water was steaming and it's, you, you have a steam bath, basically. <laughs> you know, you're walking around and you're... So okay, that's what you say. Yeah. In negative. Yeah, I say seraphim was healing. So I go back and of course, and of course they have the sisters say, yeah, 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 okay, good, that's great. Yeah. Do, Do our the retreat, retreat yeah. now. No big deal. You're fine. Yeah, they would have we none of this it. miracle stuff. Yeah. They just yeah, yeah. You just do it the treat now. That's you got healed. Now go do the treat. Oh yeah. my goodness! Uh, wow, that's incredible. So the sisters of Mother Teresa, uh, you know, when when you meet, I mean, I I have nothing, but deep love and adoration of, mm. or, or admiration for them. I always told Sister Chantel, I said, there's only two vocations I would have in the world today. One mine and becoming a sister of Mother Teresa, but that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too possible. It's amazing. <laughs> um, one story, which kind of goes back to the last episode we had you on when we were talking a lot about, you know, childlike faith. Um, I know I've heard this story a couple times of the little girl from uh, your uh, parish. Would you Alita? mind telling that? Yes, Alita. Yeah, Alita. Mm -hmm. yeah when we built a church, uh, it was a strange church because it wasn't Orthodox. It didn't have the, the dome, so people didn't know where it was. In fact, they thought it was a mosque. Oh. <laughs> Muslims. Oh, interesting. Because <laughs> that's the only okay. thing they knew. They were Muslims and they were Orthodox. Wow. So I said, no, do you see that cross on top? That's probably not a mosque. Because <laughs> I was across the street, we were putting the cross on top of this guy was talking to the other guy there in Russian. I think it's a Muslim place. I said, you see a cross? I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a. <laughs> so, um, so uh, we were in a neighborhood and across the street, the, the Magadan is the best way to describe it as my nephew came to visit me. It's just a large projects. If you go to the mm. inner city with large apartment buildings okay. everywhere, it's just Magadan's that way. Park buildings, you know, 12, 10 stories high everywhere, not taken care of, paint peeling. That's what Magadan looks like. So across the street, um, people would come, and one Sunday, this little girl, she was probably five, um, came through the door in the church, sat in the back pew. Now, she, she, Alita is her name, and uh, Alita had already kind of taken on the Western frame. She had a purse, I can remember she had a little purse, hung on, actually a purse about half her size, <laughs> and high heels. Oh. And she just, you know, walking in like this, I just, I thought, oh my goodness, she's a little, little doll. <laughs> so she's in the back of the church, and uh, by herself. So I asked her if she was, when well, my parents are there, but they said I can come. So she walked across the street, this is the winter time, this is wow. cold. And so what happened was, Sunday by Sunday, she would move up, a pew at a time, Aww. pew at a time, pew at a time, and watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. By the time she was in front of the ch church after a couple months, and in Russia, we do the same thing as here. When somebody comes up that is not baptized, and many were baptized mm -hmm. at that time, we'd bless them, and then eventually they would go through a, 
uh, catechetical formation become mm -hmm. uh, Catholic. When they come up for communion. Yeah, when they come up for communion, you'd bless them like mm -hmm. we do. They cross their arms. Right. They don't cross their arms there, but I, I just know who's, you know, small congregation, know who's yeah. not Catholic. <laughs> mm -hmm. So she's there, and, and it was a good. And then one day, I blessed Alita, and she looked at me, and she didn't move. So I said, Alita, you have to move. I blessed you. Go. She wouldn't move. And she looked at me with kind of a little angry. I said, then I had to get angry. I said, get, move. So uh, at the end of Mass, I, she, she came up to, uh, to ball me out. <laughs> and if you've ever been balled out by a five-year-old, it's really a frightening experience. I would imagine. Finger, finger in the air and everything. <laughs> and she said to me, now you have to understand, her parents were not believers. They mm -hmm. were... I would say agnostic, atheist, didn't have really anything. Sure. She wasn't raised in any faith. She wasn't educated in any liturgical understanding. She had no idea what the Mass was, but she just watched me every Sunday. Mm -hmm. She had no sense of what sacraments were. The Orthodox Church in Magadan came the same time we did, and very few people attended, so she hadn't been even to the church until she came to our church. So she said to me, Father Michael, why didn't you give me Jesus? Oh. Mm. I wanted Jesus. Why didn't you give me Jesus? She had discerned that the Blessed Sacrament that I was giving people was Jesus. Wow. And in her little heart had discovered her hunger for the Lord. Amen. And so um, we start a first communion process, mm -hmm. <laughs> got her Jesus. Alita had, um, then I think she had a religious vocation, so we sent her to some sisters for two years. That didn't work out, and I just, this last year she was married and has a child. Oh, wow. I have to go back and see her child when I go back for the first time. So. <sighs> That's amazing, Aww. you're still in touch too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I love her stubbornness and you just see her like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Why? <laughs> it's, it's really beautiful for, for, when people bring up their children to be blessed and some of them they will not leave. They oh. will not leave. They just look at you, hey, I want Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm two years old, but I can get him. Yeah. Well, you know? it's so funny because whenever I walk up to communion holding Santi's hand, um, you know, Father Arthur gives me communion and then he goes to bless Santi and Santi has his mouth open wide. And yeah, yeah right, absolutely. Like, ready. Not yet. Not yet, honey. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 amazing with the teach. I think they're discerning. Obviously, the mm -hmm. Orthodox or the Byzantine give children communion. We have a Byzantine couple here that brings their children. It's so funny because when a visiting priest or something, and this little one baby is to receive Eucharist, mm -hmm. and they you know you look, they're, they're obviously not seven, and they kind of go, what? He's like, we're Byzantine. <laughs> oh, oh, oh okay. Because they get Eucharist at that yeah. when they're wow. all three sacraments right. actually. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Cremation. Mm. Christianization and baptism in the Eucharist. Yeah. So. Wow. So I know um, in your mission, when you were in Magadan, you had college students from America come yeah. over. So could you t talk a little yeah, bit about what, that? Yeah, what happened was it was uh, two college students that were, three actually, wanted to do a mission trip in Russia from Steubenville, Ohio, Franciscan. And they had written everybody in Russia uh, and nobody was responded. And then there was a priest a brother of um, Bob McMorrow, mm. who is here in Alaska, and for some reason he had connected, and they had said to these 
that there was a priest from Alaska in Magadan if you wanted to look for a mission. So they wrote me and I wrote them back right away with everything they could do and how they got there and what the expenses were mm. as if I knew what I was saying. <laughs> I had no idea what I was saying. I just wrote this incredible mission trip that was made up out of my own head. And so uh, they said yes and they came and three of them came for a year and then the next year and there was eight years straight. Uh, the greatest story, the funniest story, it's funny and tragic at the same time, and this ended the, the missionary trip, and then I was exiled. But uh, we had like eight, I think eight that year, and we were doing English. 60, 70 people were coming for English classes, and wow. it became too popular, and the, the authorities didn't like it, and the oh. Orthodox didn't like it. So they sent authorities to arrest my students. Wow. So I was in Postinia, and, um, and uh, my... my um, director came and got me and said they've just taken the students away to the uh, to the not the jail but an office mm -hmm. well I knew it was no big deal all they had to do was sign off and there was they weren't going to be thrown in jail but I did walk in and they're white-faced of course Aww. and I'm going well here's the good news they're only going to shoot half of you oh the other oh half will God. be exiled here in Magadan <laughs> not like, a good joke father. you get to choose oh my God. Oh my goodness. They they were so angry at me. I would imagine. <laughs> not the time to joke. So, so they're in this office. All they had to do was prove, say they weren't teachers because somebody had figured out you had to be teachers of English. Yeah, it was it was kind of a funny, I thought it was a funny joke myself. So. Well, you already knew the outcome. They did. Yeah, so they just had to sign a paper and they okay. released. And then, and then we, instead of having English classes, we had just conversation mm. circles mm -hmm. yeah. we did the same thing which is, yeah we, <laughs> called it something else yeah so well, yeah um one question i have is you know just over the past five years getting to know you as a priest and just being really amazed by your story and the work that you've done in magadan um oh, as a side note you know some of the stories that i've heard of people's faith have just really inspired me you know talking about the the old woman that you met who described, you know, these Siberian winters with no clothes and being raped by the soldiers, yet they would save their breadcrumbs to roll into rosary beads. And yeah. So just this whole idea, it's I can't even imagine what it would be like to be one of those people. And I'm so thankful that you said yes to God's call to go over there and spend your life doing this work with the mission there. Um, so for our listeners, is there, um, is there somewhere that they could go if they want to learn more about this mission or support your mission that's still ongoing Yeah, the Magadan there? Mission website, we have it, and the Archdiocese, I don't know if it's up yet, but there's a Magadan Mission um, donation on the website, I think is uh, under donation. It was, uh, they were redoing the website, obviously, because Juno, I encourage Juno Diocese is changing. Mm -hmm. If not, just go on the website, uh, Magadan Mission. And um, we have a newsletter uh, that comes out every two months about uh, Magadan, and uh, they can uh, contact me. And okay. uh, my web, my uh, email is brother Misha M I S H A gmail dot com. Great, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, gmail dot com, and just or call me uh, if they want to call me and, and talk with me. That's uh, my phone number is nine zero seven three zero two eight seven eight one. My social security. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're gonna get a, you're going to get a lot of calls, Father yeah. Michael. 
And if people do support the mission, what is that money going towards? That goes actually uh, for for the mission. So we have obviously um, we have to uh, support now, especially in this situation where the the war is uh, mm -hmm. going on, that the people need. If inflation's here, you can imagine what inflation is oh there. Gosh, like, can't right Let me tell you just a quick story. One of the things how God always prepares, and and long before I knew it, I when I was exiled from Russia, and, and I told the Archbishop, I said, the Archbishop, that I'd need at least a month and a half to preach to get money to be able to get priests to Magadan because I had to pay for transportation. Most of them are Polish that are in Russia. And I need about thirty thousand dollars a year for for the parish, for stipend, for food, and you know for priests. It's just fine. So I, I was prepared to do that. And then the accountant for the archdiocese said, "Could you come in here, Father Mike? Because we found a grant that just was flipped over every year. We never opened up the grant. We never saw the reason the grant was given. That was in two thousand seven. And I said, "Well, sure. Let's see what it is, because I've gotten." gotten lots of grants and people helped out lots of ways so we opened a grant and the grant was to support priests in Magadan $147,000 which is exactly what you need for five oh years what? <laughs> huh? Moving mountains. so when God when God does that something so he does awesome. something I actually there's 3,000 short but I'm going to give that to God. That's supposed to be 150,000, but I'll give him the 3,000. Maybe wow. it's tax. I don't know. Yeah, love it. But that isn't that amazing. That is. And incredible. so, so I didn't have to go preach uh, for money. I could send it. And uh, just recently, I've sent uh, money over every quarter. We send money over wow. to. So, so that's, that's where the money goes. Yeah. And and Great. the archdiocese have been very generous. They they help me set the budget, and so it's transparent. And then it, they send the money. I don't have anything to do with it. And mm. so. Yeah. Awesome. So while you're not over there right now, there's Polish priests taking care of your. Yeah, it's the most they've had six weeks without a priest. Okay. And the most, wow. and we have this uh, a whole other story of Misha and Olga who are running the parish right now. Uh, our uh, spiritual children that I've raised for mm -hmm. many years, and mm -hmm. it's a whole other story how they became Catholic. An amazing story. Wow. Yeah. I love it. You'll have to tell it next time you're on. I will definitely. Yeah. Many miracles, guys. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We heard some bigger ones, mm -hmm. and uh, so now it's time for... Do you want... Do you have one? another one from the week? No, I have a lot, but we'll go wait on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start. Go ahead. Um, last weekend... I, I'm always amazed. In ministry, I have to recruit volunteers, and I often feel bad because I... You know, this is my job, and they have to volunteer their time. And the mini miracle for me this week is the number of people who showed up to a volunteer meeting. I just, I'm so thankful. It's so humbling to me to see people walk in who want to literally give up their time for the teens, for the youth. And sometimes you can feel very alone in ministry. And then I walk into this room, and the room is full, and we have to get more chairs because there's so many people. And I wow. just said, praise God. Thank you for this. Oh, so, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Paige? Um, mine is Margaret. Um, <laughs> so we are recording at Father Michael's house, and he lives about 45 minutes away from where I live in Anchorage. Um, and so, like, right before I was... As I said in the opening introduction episode, <laughs> I love coffee. And so as I was... You know, preparing to leave, I was like, man, I really wish I could stop for coffee, but like we're, we have to get there at 2 p.m. 
And uh, Bernadette was equally thinking, like, oh, oh, man, I could really use a hot drink right now so yeah. I don't sound stuffy on this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, I could really use some tea. And we get this text message from Margaret before we picked her up. And she was like, I'm picking up some coffee. Do you guys want anything? And <laughs> both Bernadette and I were like, yes! <laughs> Literally right when we had said, oh, we could use this. Yeah. I love it. Yes, yeah. Holy Spirit. That's awesome. <laughs> well, my... I won't even say many. My miracle um, this week and ongoing is that I am just feeling so much better in this pregnancy than I had oh, been. Yes. So with my first pregnancy, I was very, very sick um, with like hyper hyperemesis gravidarum, which is just like severe nausea and vomiting. And that lasted until like 22 weeks with my first pregnancy. And now just being pregnant again and taking care of my son, it has been um, like the... after. After six weeks, basically, I was just really, really sick with the same ongoing issues and basically couldn't take care of my son. My husband was working from home, basically being full-time dad, single parent, and taking care of me. Um, just the same thing all over again, not able to eat or drink anything, keep it down, losing weight. It was really horrible. And um, then I've just had so many people. Father Michael has been praying for me. These two friends and so many people have been praying. And just for some reason with this pregnancy, um, just within the past week and a half, I'd say, I have just all of a sudden felt so much better. I stopped throwing up. I can eat again. I can drink again. I've been taking care of my son and able to pay attention and spend time with him again. So to me, it's just a miracle because we were expecting at least two more months of mm-hmm. me being completely just, you know, in bed all day, every day. So mm-hmm. it's, it's actually a really big miracle Praise to me. Yeah. And you're <laughs> able to be here with us. Too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, I was thinking of Margaret, what you were saying about volunteers. We were putting a new carpet in the Shield Center. The Shield Center is named after me, by the way. Because you burned it down, Usually you do that when somebody dies. <laughs> I don't know what they were telling. When I went to Siberia, they named a center after me. I think they were supposed to die. I came back. <laughs> the dead (laughs) so um but it's it's probably easier to burn it down and rebuild it than put carpet in after (laughs) all that furniture to move well i called a couple people and ended up like 20 people showed up and all kinds of within a few hours everything was done and and uh, i think like margaret was saying the generosity of people are amazing and uh, as priests we just treasure that gift of support mm. from the lay people and there was some experience last night so awesome that's great well thank you so much for joining us again father michael sure. we really appreciate your support and um just who you are to us in this area of the world um, but thank you for sharing with a larger audience what you're up to and um, if you could just close us in prayer today sure in the name of the that. father the son the holy spirit amen. amen lord god we are called by you to live faithful to this gospel that is transforms the world, and saves the world, saves us. And we just ask you to continue to light the fire in our hearts that we be faithful to what you want of us, no matter the cost. We'd ask you to conquer fears in our heart, conquer depression, despair, everything that provides a block or a barrier to what you want of us. We ask you to exercise things out of our heart that are not of you and to put those things in our heart that are of you. Especially pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We pray for everyone who's listening for the gift of peace, the gift of joy, the gift of long-suffering, 
and the gift of fear of the Lord. So we can be before you and recognize how awesome you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray for us. Thank you for listening to the Moving Mountains podcast. If you have a miracle story to tell, please call our hotline at 412-449-9609. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Moving Mountains Podcast AK. We encourage you to subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share our podcast with others. We'll see you next time.